Greetings, and welcome to Blue Stocking, the podcast for people who love to learn, but don't always have time to study. I'm your host, Rory Roberts, and speaking of people who don't have time to study, I would like to apologize for not releasing an episode on April 21st. Um, To say the least, it was a crazy week at school. I had a show opening that Thursday, Friday, and then we had a our fifth annual fine arts event at the high school that involved the entire district, um, fine arts groups from all over the school district. It's a really cool thing. Uh, something like 2,000 students' work was displayed. It's awesome. It's a great opportunity for our kids, but I was helping out with that and it can be exhausting. Um, And the show that we did with my Theater 2 classes was entirely student-written. Some of those plays were written by elementary students, and some of the work was written by our high school students, and it was just a really cool experience for them and for our audiences. Um, I love getting to do what I do and see students come out of their shelves or express themselves in a new way or show a different side of themselves. Um, It's really cool, but sometimes it takes a lot of time and I don't have time for my hobbies like podcasting. Anyway, I digress. I apologize. Um, Tonight's episode is going to be really short and sweet and hopefully entertaining. A few weeks ago, I stumbled across one of the most wonderful websites I've ever found, I think. It is an online record of Samuel Pepys' diary from uh, the 17th century. He was a, um, he was, he's probably the most famous English diarist. Uh, He kept a journal for about a decade um, and, and is really quite a fascinating character. But I was doing some research about the actresses of the restoration period, you know, the, the period of time where women were first allowed on stage in England. Um, and I came across Samuel Pepys' diary. If you have seen the movie Stage Beauty, um, you probably remember, you might remember this character. He's played by Hugh Bonneville, uh, who's probably best known for his portrayal of the patriarch in Downton Abbey. Um, but it's, he, he's just a delightful character, and I'm going to read you an excerpt that really stood out to me and I think just exemplifies all the good things that we love about theater and um, the experience. So this is from uh, February of 1667 or 68. All the morning at the office and at noon home to dinner and thence with my wife and Deb to the king's house to see the virgin martyr the first time it hath been acted a great while and it is mighty pleasant not that the play is worth much but it is finely acted by Beck Marshall but that which did please me beyond anything in the whole world was the wind music when the angel comes down which is so sweet that it ravished me and indeed in a word did wrap up my soul so that it made me really sick 
just as I have formerly been when in love with my wife, that neither then nor all the evening going home and at home, I was able to think of anything but remained all night transported, so as I could not believe that ever any music hath that real command over the soul of a man as this did upon me, and makes me resolve to practice wind music, and to make my wife do the like. Um... <laughs> apart from the fact that he doesn't seem to understand the purpose of periods that half of that is just one sentence um it's a really sweet sentiment the fact that he kept thinking about this music that he heard at the theater and what he saw there um so much so that it has inspired him to take up the instrument himself and to get his wife to do the same and I do remember running across another entry in his diary where he talks about his wife practicing the instrument and she doesn't have quite so good an ear but that he loves that she plays it anyway um it was very sweet and reading that made me think of, uh, because I, you know, reading those entries got a little crush on Samuel Pepys, you know? I like to think of him the way uh, Hugh Bonneville portrayed him as this kind of like sweet, uh, almost innocent creature who just loves theater. Um, although, to be fair, I don't think he was quite that uh, delightful in real life. Um, but it reminded me of. A Tumblr website that a friend of mine recommended several years ago and I haven't looked at in years but I kind of fell down the rabbit hole tonight um, I won't say it out loud but be warned that the full name of the site is in the show notes uh, and that is the F yeah history crushes Tumblr um, and I'm going to share just a couple of entries because they're really funny um, once you reach the FIA History Crushes, click on the History Lesson link to read some more in-depth entries about certain historical figures. Um, the style and formatting of the entries kind of reminds me of Samantha Irby's blog posts with different font, not different fonts, but like caps and bold, and it's, it's really funny. Um, so if you hear me emphasize certain words or phrases, I'm just doing my best to do justice to the author's intent. This entry is for Joseph Stalin. Stalin, what happened to you? You were such a beautiful lad. It's no secret. Most people are fully aware Stalin was the supreme ruler of the Soviet Union for a quarter of a century. His regime of terror caused death and suffering for tens of millions, but you have to give him a little credit for playing a part in killing off Nazism, right? Okay, maybe not. So Stalin was a pretty good kid. Papa was a cobbler and Stalin studied at a theological seminary and graduated while everyone else was running around screaming, Viva la Revolution! Later on, though, he became quite the activist and was arrested and exiled to Siberia a couple times. Boys will be boys. In 1922, he was made general secretary of the Communist Party, which wasn't exactly a big name in history quite yet, but it certainly allowed him to start building a fan base. After Lenin's death, Stalin promoted himself as his political heir and muscled his way into the dictator seat. 
His forced collectivization of agriculture gave the Soviet Union all kinds of economic growth, but it also kind of killed millions of people, so that was kind of a dick move. Then, if that wasn't enough, during the Great Purge of the 1930s, he killed off, exiled, and enslaved even more of the population because he was all, enemies of the people, get out! And by enemies of the people, I think he kind of just meant remaining opposition of power. Ain't nobody gonna touch Stalin, fool. Needless to say, all this killing kind of depleted the Red Army. People kept telling Stalin, hey, Hitler is coming, dude. You might want to stop killing your army. But Stalin was a stubborn bastard and didn't listen. Hitler kind of caught him with his pants down when he came knocking in June 1941. Stalin did manage to recover from that, however. In the end, he led his country to victory. The human cost was freaking enormous, but seeing as he had already killed millions, he really just did not care. After World War II, the Soviet Union entered the nuclear age and ruled over an empire which included most of Eastern Europe. Stalin started to get really stressed and super paranoid. He ended up dying of a stroke on March 5, 1953. And then, because I think this one is also very funny, Here's the entry on Napoleon. So check this guy out. Mr. Napoleon, stylish motherfucker and one of the greatest military leaders in history and emperor of France. He wasn't even really that short, contrary to popular belief, around five foot seven or so. This guy knew how to wear a jacket and look, even his tights were embroidered. That is dedication to image right there. He didn't look too shabby either. I happen to think he had a very nice, strong nose. Not to mention he has the most epic and famous horse Ryan grew up learning how to run a military and in 1796 was made commander. He forced allies to be friends. Then he hung out in Egypt for a while, but the British were all like, little man, don't you touch our Indian trade routes. So that didn't work out too well. Eventually, he made it back to Paris where he became emperor and did cool things like oversee the centralization of government, create the Bank of France, and make a civil code that he named after himself because he is that fabulous. Then Napoleon got pretty busy with his wars. For a few years, he managed to get the kids to stop fighting while Papa France ruled the continent, but then in 1803, Britain threw a fit again, gathered her buddies Russia and Austria, and attacked. Britain started beating up France on the seas, so Napoleon was all like, okay, plan B, and smacked down the Austro-Russian forces, forces instead. So, during all this, he got a shit ton of territory, including annexation of Prussian lands, which ostensibly gave him control of Europe. The Holy Roman Empire was dissolved, Holland and Westphalia created, and Napoleon's relatives and loyalists became leaders in Holland, Westphalia, Italy, Naples, Spain, and Sweden. Little dude had taken the world by storm. And then, the Peninsular War, 1808. Things start to go downhill for him as France starts to suck again. And later, he was all, hey, Russia, would you mind if I just... And Russia was like, no, get out. As if things couldn't get worse. In March 1814, Paris fell and Napoleon went into exile on the island of Elba. This made him pretty sad, but at least he was still an emperor. Technically. Of Elba, that is. In March 1815... 
He put his badassery to the test. He escaped Elba and freaking marched onto the French capital alone. And guess what? France took him back. So then he kicked some butts for a hundred days, but unfortunately the Battle of Waterloo put an end to that second reign pretty quickly. In the end, the British finally imprisoned him on the remote Atlantic island of St. Helena, where he died on May 5th, 1821. And so ends the impressive life story of Mr. Bonaparte. As I was reading those and I was as I was looking through the entries, I just kept thinking of how great it would be to hear them read by Jonathan Van Ness, who, if you are not familiar with, he is one of the hosts of uh, Queer Eye on Netflix, the, the reboot of it. He also has a podcast that I highly recommend. It's called Getting Curious, and every week he interviews an expert on a subject that he is curious about, and I tell you what, it is such a great little podcast. Um, It's about half an hour, like the format is really easy to follow, Um, and for me, I love it because he's a great start to my day. Um, So I hear his voice and I hear his positivity and his curiosity and that wonderful energy and it just helps me get going. Um, I'm not a big coffee drinker or I actually don't really do caffeine much at all. Um, So Jonathan Van Ness is my caffeine right now. Anyway, thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, please feel free to... Uh, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. If you don't like it, let me know how I can improve or tell your enemies to listen to it. Um, And it'll be a nice little trick that you play on them. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.